Hi, I'm Gordon Lanthier, The Real Finds Podcast, the podcast where we have in-depth interviews with key entrepreneurs, activists, and scientists who are shaping the real estate industry and as a result, our world. In today's episode, we talk with Tamar Turner, the host of the Down to Business Podcast. Over the podcast, we discuss key instances of how to run a small business, tips and tricks to getting by in the business world. We also discuss more in-depth views on co-working and how important it is to meet and network within the physical workspace. Hey guys, we're here with Tamar. He is a phenomenal podcaster that's coming up in the business world. He's going to give us a unique insight into both kind of the business world and how it meshes with commercial real estate. Tamar, great to have you on the podcast and um, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely, Gordon. Thank you so much for having me, man. Very excited to be here. So a little bit about me. So my name is Tamar Turner, currently residing in Tampa, Florida. I am 26 years old. I did my undergraduate studies at East Carolina University in communications and journalism, really had a fondness to just writing and just talking to people and things like that. And then took it one step further and went to Syracuse University to get my master's in broadcast and digital journalism and sports communications. So leaving from there, you know, you wouldn't have told me that I wasn't going to be your next Shannon Sharp, your next Stephen A. wasn't going to have my own show, wasn't going to do all of that. But, you know, the pandemic had other plans for us. And ultimately, I kind of just had to pivot a little bit, had to just have some redirection. I was in Philly for a little bit, just unhappy working target and just filling out a lot of job applications and then getting an offer I'm in North Carolina. It actually got rescinded. So we had to kind of wait a little bit and backtrack. So really just took a leap of faith and moved to Tampa. So about two years ago, I moved down here, really started working for Amazon first. But even before the move to backtrack a little bit, I started a podcast. I just really wanted to find a way to brand myself and still continue the skills that I learned in grad school. So I recognized that I was, you know, surrounded by a lot of people who were doing a lot of great things from clothing to I met a girl who made her own dog treats to hair, to skincare, to you name it, health, law, anything. So I really just started sitting down and talking to these people because I wanted them to, you know, get the exposure that they deserve, be household names, just like a lot of these other companies. So since then, you know, I've been able to amass about 118, 119 episodes now. We've done three live events in Charlotte and we've had a great time, been able to connect with a lot of just different dope individuals and meet people. And. I'm excited to eventually one day, you know, become a full-time podcaster and everything like that. And then I also, with moving to Tampa after I finished with Amazon, started working for a company called WeWork. Um, came across the job posting online. It really sounded uh, fictitious. Like, it really just sounded like, wow, a day in the life here, I, I would love this. So instantly applied. Three interviews later, here I am. And so it really opened my world up to, you know, the idea of remote work, the idea of like, kind of, you know, just setting up shop on the go, the, the idea of flexible co-working space and then the introduction to real estate as well. So been doing that for about a year and a half now, been able to make some even doper connections here just with a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, big companies, small companies, you name it. So really just been having a blast down here in Tampa, man, no complaints. So you touched on WeWork and I think there's a lot of myths about WeWork and a lot of that comes from some of the stuff that was written during previous eras about the WeWork company, some of the stuff that was written um, regarding WeWork in the past uh, couple weeks and months regarding um, the documentary and mock kind of mockumentary that came out about WeWork. What's it like actually working at WeWork these days? I'm not going to lie. I, I love it, man. Like I said, I, I really tell people all the time that 
there's just a certain type of vibe that it gives you. There's just a certain type of people. There's certain companies there that, you know, I, I tell people it's really no in between. You're not going to come in and you're not going to kind of be leaning on the fence here. You're not going to kind of say, eh, I kind of like it. I kind of don't, you know, it's either, you, you know, you're all for it. You understand this concept. You understand kind of what we have to offer. And then um, you understand just the co-working idea in general, because there are a lot of other competitors out there, but I love it. Like I said, we own three floors here in Tampa. So we're responsible for I couldn't even tell you, probably over 100 companies, honestly, big, small, you name it. But it's just been amazing just to really see that, you know, people are not necessarily in a cubicle location or in your typical nine to five setup. Uh, they still come. They still are very much productive. They still kind of fit in here. We do a, a host of different events from just networking things to happy hours to lunch and learns to bringing people in to speak. So it's really just been cool to, you know, kind of mix and mingle with so many different companies, with companies that started internationally. And now they're building offices here in Tampa with companies that were headquartered all around the world. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're just moving and trying to grow their Tampa team. So some of these companies I had never even heard of. I, I did Google searches. I was doing research to figure out what they did. So the fact that we have so many industries accounted for here, it's been an amazing experience, man. Yeah, I mean, West Florida is a great place to be these days. I don't think anybody's going to debate that. Right. So the, on on that, you know, what what's it like? I know you moved to Florida. Is there a particular reason why you moved to Florida specifically? So honestly, man, I, if I had to have it my way, no, Florida was not on the map. It was <laughs> Carolina or Atlanta. No, no. You know, I love Florida, but it, I just wasn't looking here. You know, really going to school in North Carolina opened my eyes up to a lot of the different cities there, Charlotte, the RVU area, Greensboro, Fayetteville, everything like that. And then Atlanta, I really just felt like was the hub for places. So no, really how Florida came about was uh, my college roommate. I met him back in 2014. We ended up living together from 2015 until we graduated in 2018. When I went to go get my master's, he pretty much moved down here to Orlando originally. So Orlando is about an hour away from Tampa. So um, then eventually he ended up getting his own spot in Tampa. And then from there, you know, we talked we talked a lot. He recognized that once I finished with grad school, he saw how unhappy I was. I was working at Target. It just wasn't really what I wanted to do. It wasn't really as easy to find a job and just be propelled into this industry as I thought. So, you know, he, he really just threw it out there one day. He said, why not just move down here? I said, you Damn. serious? Like, he said, you know, you could, he said, you could come down here. You could work with me. He's working at Amazon. It's different things like that. I, so if there's one person you don't say that to, it's me, because I'm, I'm the type of person who, you know, I'll save up, I'll do what I have to do, get the car and make it happen. So what did I do? I saved up, I bought a car and I made a road trip. I stopped in D.C., stopped in North Carolina, stopped in Atlanta. And then eventually we met in Atlanta and we drove to Tampa. So really just didn't look back, really just took a risk. He took a risk on me. So I appreciate him for that. But yeah, after I left, you know, it was just full steam ahead. Hey, look, look, that sounds like an amazing roommate. Uh, and uh, somebody who has your best interest in mind, uh, which you can't say for every roommate in the world, right? Right, right. right. Um, so on that, you moved you move to Florida and you start a podcast. And tell me a little bit about the Down to Business podcast, because there are a lot of podcasts out there, right? Like everything you can imagine under the sun in podcasting. What makes the Down to Business podcast unique? I would say we're unique just because... Uh, I tell people, I, and I don't know how many people are going to be familiar with this reference, but I tell people we're like the Black Mirror of podcasts. So okay. those people who didn't know Black Mirror, Black Mirror was a show that essentially you could watch it and pick up on it at any point. And you didn't miss a thing. You could watch it from front to back. You could start at the last season, the first, but essentially no episode had anything to do with the other. One. So it all kind of, you know, it was a preference thing. If this was your favorite episode, if you really like that one, you could tap in with that. If you see season three, episode nine, and you just want to start there randomly, I don't know why, but if you just wanted to click that. Go ahead. So I tell people my podcast is just the same. Whereas, you know, we started back in 2019. 
if you're just discovering us now after this interview, even with this interview, before this interview, if you're discovering us anytime after 2019, you haven't missed a beat. Yes, you can go back in and you can go tap in with those business owners, those entrepreneurs, those creatives and see what they're doing. But essentially, we're rolling. Like I said, I'm 119 episodes in. That's over 119, 120 business owners, entrepreneurs who are doing different things. We've been international. We interviewed someone in Australia. So it's just been amazing. I really just think we're unique because we always have the interviewee's best interest in mind. I don't prepare any questions beforehand. I obviously, you know, I do my due diligence and just knowing your brand, knowing your website, knowing what you do. But essentially, I want everything to be a conversation, whether you're family, whether you're a friend, whether you're somebody who I just met via social media, email, my scheduling link. I want us to really develop that connection. Like you kind of told me before the interview, you want people to be comfortable. You want people to, you know, feel like there's no secret or no hidden agendas or anything. I really think that's important just with whether you're podcasting, whether you're talking to people nine to five, business ownership, I think that's so important. So with us at Down to Business, man, we really, no pun intended, we just strictly want to get down to business. We're going to have fun. We're going to laugh. We're going to joke. But at the same time, we're going to get you and your craft and your business and what you're passionate about, the rightful exposure. Hey, you know what? That that sounds awesome. And so on that note, get, getting the right exposure, one of the things I think that's, that's unique about your podcast, and I, I'd like to kind of dial into it, is how do you figure out who you want to give that exposure to? Uh, because Look, there's a lot of small businesses out there in the world. How is it that that you choose your businesses? Interesting question. Very interesting question. So honestly, when I first started back in 2019, I took to all social media platforms. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even LinkedIn, um, and pretty much just posted the announcement, posted that I was, you know, doing this. This is what I wanted. I said, if this sounds like you or if you know somebody like this, send them my way. And essentially, I got a lot of feedback, so much so that I still have a book to this day. Okay. He reached out to me back in 2019 that I still haven't, you know, talked to or got lost in translation or just different things like that. But essentially, I get it through a lot of word of mouth. I would say WeWork helped a lot with that. I would say being that I, I'm, I'm a traveler. I love to travel. So coming from being born in New York, raised in Philadelphia, undergrad in North Carolina, grad back in New York, moved back to Philly. I've, I've seen a host of different things, seen met a host of different people, been able to come across a lot of different people. And then ultimately too, I tell people, I shoot my business shot a lot. If I see, you know, your page and I've come across on social media or email, or you have a booking link or you have a, a booking agent or somebody who I can reach out to or a help page or a subscription, I'm going to do it. Now, does it always work in my favor? No, but that's okay. But that's why, like you said, there's a host of different people out there. So, and then something I also do is I always Sometimes it's extended to me. So people will come on the podcast and say, yo, I know somebody who would be perfect for this, would love to have them on. But then other times I challenge people. I say, hey, if you know anybody who would be perfect for this opportunity, if you have anybody who in mind who you think would want to share this experience as well, please bring them on the platform. I tell people that I would say in the beginning, I was very gung ho on just you have to have a business. You have to have something to your name. But now. Ultimately, if you're passionate about something, if you if you can speak to a niche, if you can speak to a field, if you can speak to something that one, I don't know about two, real estate, law, medical, anything like that, mental health. Let's talk about it, because the same way I may not know something or the same way you may come on here and teach me something about real estate. I'm sure you're going to teach my followers the same thing, my audience, the same thing. So it, it's, it's really just a host of just, you know, I have a lot of supporters. I have people who've shown a lot of love along the way. But and I'm always looking and thinking myself, too. So. Regarding uh, being taught something, um, what's one of the most interesting or unique things you've been taught recently on the Down to Business podcast? Because I've gone through some of the podcasts and and there's there's a lot of really unique kind of topics and businesses that you discussed. Is there something that you can highlight so one of our listeners could go back and say, hey, 
this gives you a good perspective on what is the down to business podcast? I would say, honestly, and this, this may even sound a little cliche, all of my episodes give me some sort of gem, some sort of like niche or something that, you know, you, you really take that nugget and you apply it somewhere else. It's going to it's going to really take you further. But I would say even more so more recently, um, one of my favorite episodes, and I believe it was with Naya Mir Beauty. I cannot okay. remember the episode name, but it, the episode I mean, find it. <laughs> episode name is Reset, Revamp, Rebrand. And so essentially, you know, we're big on like New Year's resolutions, setting New Year's goals, waiting for that end of the year to really happen. And you hit the ground running. Something that she kind of just put in my head. Why wait for that? Day one could be tomorrow. Day one could be right now, right today, you know, Friday. You know, we're not really, we set goals. We have different aspirations and things that we want to hit. Why do you have to wait for a fresh start, a ball to drop, a new year, a new number for you to really get into it? So for me, that kind of, that elevated me in a sense. And it was just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I was big on that. I was big on just setting the goals, writing the vision boards, doing all that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But why do I have to wait for December 31st transition into January 1st? I could do that now. So for me, she kind of put a, 180 on things for me. I really started writing stuff down. I really started applying to stuff. I really started tackling stuff now. So that way, when the new year gets here, I've already had foundation built. I can, I'm already running on the ground. So, you know, if anything that I pick up on top of that is just a bonus. So yes, I've definitely, I've been very keen on all my episodes, just about what they have to do, what they have to offer, how they go about their processes and things like that. But I would say that was a big lesson for me because something that I tell myself about the podcast, I, I feel like I waited. You know, I made a lot of excuses back then in grad school or even after I graduated or different things like that. I made a lot of excuses as to why it took me so long to get on YouTube and why I'm not on TikTok and different things like that. But why, instead of doing that, just try it out. Just do it. Some things are going to be for you. Some things aren't going to be for you. So I think that's a good centralized message just from down to business. Look, I think that's terrific advice. There's a, uh, a guy who's... Uh who's no longer but was transitioning out of the SEALs, who was a local bartender. And um, we kind of have this unique thing here where we have Great Lakes Naval Training Center, and the, there's a number of Navy SEALs on a SEAL team that transition out. And I was talking with him one time, and he said, one of the biggest things they teach you in special forces is this idea that you just have to take care of hard things immediately when they come up. You, you have to take care of it because... The longer it waits, the harder it becomes. And so, look, that's terrific advice. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't say it better than you did. Uh, that we, we, we have so many challenges in our life, and you just gotta, you just gotta jump on them, right? So, um, on that of jumping on challenges, I'm gonna challenge you one more time. Um, besides that podcast, is there anything that you learned lately that relates to real estate that our listeners could take? Because there's a tremendous amount of real estate knowledge that happens on real estate podcasts where brokers are talking to brokers. And sometimes that's less useful than you would think, because what we really should be hearing from are people who are business owners. So what, what do you see on a daily basis on the podcast that business owners are talking about in relation to real estate? So I would say that more so I've noticed a lot of people whether they be on the podcast themselves or just be audience or fans of it, they're trying to get into real estate in any capacity or trying to learn more from, I see a lot of people signing up to be realtors now or, or getting that license. I see a lot of people trying to get into the Airbnbs and automation and learning more about that. I see a lot of people, even myself, trying to learn more about investment properties because I told myself while I've been out here two years and want to probably remain out here for another three to four, my trigger to go and move on is going to be when I get some property. 
when I have something that, you know, one, I can come back to if need be, but two, just something that could be making money for me without me having to do anything, set it up. Get it. So I think a lot of people are really, with there being a plethora of information out there, a lot of people are just realizing, well, where do I need to start? What do I need to do? Well, this person is giving me their path and their journey along, but how does that relate to me? How would that work for me? They're in a different location. How can I, you know, the curiosity of getting a real estate license in New York, but what happens when you come to Florida or what happens when you go to PA? How does that translate over the rules, the regulations and everything? So I think people are really having a lot of conversation, one, because they see the I think they see the promise from it. I think they see people who've been in it for a while. I think the shows like Selling Tampa, Selling Sunset came out and really had, because I'm not going to lie, Selling Tampa had my eyes wide. Like, wow. <laughs> so these are the percentages, these are the deals. But then people are also thinking about the back end too. Well, is it always going to start? Because I've even had a, a couple of friends who got involved with it say it didn't start as fast as they would have thought or it didn't, it wasn't what they kind of were advertised in a sense. So I think people are just curious about how to do it. What's the ins and the outs of it? How do I get multiple properties? How can I get into the Airbnb? I'm always on the app booking it. Well, how can I make somebody be able to come book me to make money from it? So I think the conversation around real estate has really been heightening too, especially with the markets. The markets are looking crazy right now. I actually just moved into a townhouse this past week. And just the that I, I would not want to relive that process ever again. I just happened to do that with this time. So some people are talking about are things going to crash? Are things going to fall? How does that relate to me? Well, what if I move? Am I okay, so I think a lot of things are really circulating now just because of the host of information that's out there. But that's really what I've been noticing on a daily basis, just from reposts on Instagram, just from people asking questions, even some of the people who I've talked to as guests on my podcast. Like there's, there's a ton of real estate information out there, just like there's a ton of business information out there, but there's a lot of myths that come with that information, right? right. So what's the most common myth you you see about business and and particularly how does that relate to the podcast how does that common uh, myth kind of get turned on its head when you actually start talking to business owners so honestly like a, a big thing that i used to think just growing up and not really because i would say that my generation specifically like we really took that leap into entrepreneurship and i don't know if i well i don't not that i don't know but i really feel like the pandemic had a lot to do with that because people were just sitting at home. People got laid off. People were without jobs. So I think that for us, it was just like capital. You need that money talks. Like you're not going to do anything business related, entrepreneurial related, creative related without some sort of money. People ask me all the time, like, well, because, you know, I was looking at podcasters and different setups from the, the Joe Rhodes to your Gary V's to your million dollars worth of game, your I am athletes. They have these elaborate in studio, the lights, every <laughs> camera angles are flipping every five minutes. Yeah. They're getting all these crazy guests. And I'm thinking, wow, like, well, WeWork has some very nice conference rooms. Hence, I'm in one right now. I love this, but I don't have all the lights. I don't have the angles. Yes, I have my, my selfie stick and my tripod set up right now on my phone. And I have my microphone here, but I need more. I need the backdrops. I need the lights to be fading in and out. I need the angles and all that. I'm just like, I can't really, if I don't come all the way, I might as well not do it. And I feel like that related for me for the podcast, but that's relates to people from business. People feel like if I don't have a studio to start, if I don't have the nicest camera, if I don't have the best car, if I don't have, you know, the, the pro version of Zoom or the pro version of these websites and things, I can't do that. And I tell people all the time, I have three essential pieces that I use for my podcast. This microphone, this laptop, and a, and a phone or a camera or a ring light. That's it. That probably cost me a total of, well, I don't know how much the laptop is. Now, I've had this laptop for quite some time. But the microphone was 90. The tripod was 20. The ring light was 15. So I tell people that, you know, it's not really about having the most, having the best, having the greatest of the greatest, because then I go a step further to say, if you start with the best, how do you get better? 
if I if I went out and bought the nicest mic, if I went out and got the nicest set of tripod and had eighty thousand different lights, then how would my one hundred and nineteen episodes have shown progress or have differentiated from one another? But the fact that you know I may have started only audio, then transitioned into video. Now I'm on a different platform. Now I'm live and direct with people. I think it gives people something to look forward to. So I think just in general, like people have to realize that you just have to start. It's advice that I didn't take that now I'm not to say I'm kicking myself or I regret it, but I just think, what if, what if I would have started early? What if I would have moved to YouTube early? What if I didn't make excuses every week at Target when that paycheck hit instead of buying games and bought the mic? You know, so I think that a lot of people really get tied up in this money thing and they see so social media is a very glamorous tool. It's something that you look at every day and you just see the best of it. Nobody's going to post what's going wrong, what's failing, what's not, what's not happening. So I think that the, one of the biggest myths to debunk is that while money talks, while capital is important, while it will take you very far, it's not the end all be all. Yeah, I think that's there's there's a lot of truth to that. Um, uh, look, capital and money do talk, but uh, grit talks talks the loudest, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, on that note, and and look, I, I can only hope that our podcast ends up being as prolific um, in terms of going out there and, and producing content. A hundred episodes and more is a lot to be proud of, right? So, um, on that, what is the the podcast you would say? And I, I hate I hate doing this and saying you know name one or two, but is there a podcast in particular that you're the proudest of that you put out? episode that I'm the hmm, that I'm the proudest of that I would say I'm proud. I would honestly say it, it has to be my first live event. So episode ninety three. So it's titled Biggest. It's spaced out B I G G E S T. But essentially, um how this episode came about was I want a giveaway. And essentially my friend was a who I went to Syracuse with, she runs an event planning company. So shout out to Saray. And so the winner of the giveaway got to have an event plan for them. So all I had to do was very cool. <laughs> all I had to do was pay for the venue. So I told her what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be, how I wanted to do it. And I'm, you know, I'm nervous. This is my first, because when I started this back in 2019, if you would have asked me what I wanted to do, oh, to have it my way, I want to sit across from everybody. So that means if I'm at this table, I want Gordon right here next to me. I want to be able to see your reactions real time. I want to be able to bump you if I need to, or just for dramatic. <laughs> yeah. You know, but obviously, you know, we had to adjust. I had to adapt. So the fact that I was able to, one, find a venue in a different city, two, bring out people from that were family, that were um, uh, that were colleagues of mine, that were friends, that were people who were just in the neighborhood and things like that. And then three, really have a successful four hour event from a DJ to an interview, to giveaways, to even afterwards, we went out to eat and things like that. That was amazing to me. And it really set the tone for the next two that I did. So in March, I did that. And then I did another one Labor Day weekend. And then I just did one this past weekend, December 3rd. So the fact that, you know, I was overwhelmed with emotion. I cried outside. Like most people probably don't know that, but I shed some tears outside just because, you know, it was a lot it's to think about 92 episodes before that, to think about having to change locations, almost taking a hiatus from the podcast. And this is not producing as much as I wanted to, to think about all the content, maybe not getting all the likes, the shares, the reposts and things that I may have wanted to think about the ratings that I didn't get that I thought were just going to come in like that, like that. But to see all of that come together live and direct and to really just have genuine vibes, people asking questions. I'm seeing people networking, come together in all sorts. Man, I was I was beyond proud of that. I was beyond proud of that. So while I definitely tell every single episode is unique. I love y'all. Y'all definitely made things happen. 93 just has a special place in my heart because that was, I feel like, the turning point for the Down to Business podcast. Hey, look, um, wait, that's really cool. Really cool podcast. Uh, and uh, look, I certainly would hope to do a live event sometime in the future, but it's a lot of work. And so I, I, I hats off, hats off to you for, for that. Um, so 
in, in relation to um, a lot of work, one of the biggest things that I think the fact that you've done over 100 podcasts allows you to do is start to gather trends um, and trends in the industry and trends with small businesses. And I think one of the biggest trends I'd like you to touch on is what's holding back small business owners? Uh, is, is there a set of trends that you think is holding them back? Because uh, we here in, in the real estate business talk to small business owners all the time and they'll talk about various things. But I'm just curious because you've talked with so many successful business owners uh, over this swath of time. What is there a trend that sticks out? So I would say, excuse me, two come to mind right now. So okay. one education and then two resources. So yeah. and they kind of go hand in hand to me. So more so when I say education, I think of that. I've talked to a host of different people, both in WeWork, both outside of WeWork before I moved down here, everything, who just felt like, you know, they, they didn't know everything that they needed to, to be in their industry. They didn't really know where to go. They spent countless hours on, as we call it, YouTube University or Google.com and just different things like that, really trying to find here and there and almost ultimately always coming back to like what they felt was a dead end or just a lot of information overload and not really knowing what to pick and choose and how to relate to that. And I also feel like, you know, a lot of times, and this kind of segues into the resources part, things are right in front of us. Things are right around us. Things are made available to us from funding to people who just want it. students, interns, help, different things like that. And sometimes we don't necessarily know where to go to get that information, how to get it, where, who to get it from, who to talk to. And that's why I feel like the power of networking is so important. Sometimes for me, I've met so many people and we were here just from having a simple conversation, just from asking, you know, did you need anything or how are you or what's going on? Or maybe staying late one day to help with an event or maybe just asking a question or maybe seeing a, a company that I had never heard of. And when they get some free time, Hey, what do y'all do? Or how does that relate to, you know, or so-and-so or this and that? And and sometimes really it's just about talking. So I think that, you know, I've, I've talked to a host of different people who feel like if they would have known this sooner or if they would have did this or if they would have went that or maybe asked the right questions or maybe talked to this person one way or maybe kept a connection that they feel like they would be much further on. And I've talked to a host of people who feel like, you know, they're just at a loss. They don't really know where to start. If I had this, if I if I had more people on my team, I would be doing bigger and better things. Well, I tell myself that the same thing. You know, I'm a one man show. But the fact that I have skills, you know, I, I went to grad school to learn how to video. Edit. I got certified in Adobe Premiere Pro. I learned how to use Photoshop and just different things like that because I recognize that, OK, I can't necessarily find the staff right now. I can't necessarily find people who I need. But that's not to say that the resources aren't out there for me to help with that. So I would say a lot of the trends are people just more so not knowing where to go where to start it being so much out there. A lot of these industries from the clothing to the makeup to the hair, they're so populated. They're so populous that when you look at somebody's success story, you can't really tell how they maneuvered or what happened or what didn't go right or where did they go. It's so it's all about just that glitz, that glam, that the money, the happy clients and everything. And there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we really need to hear those nitty gritty stories of how you did what. And then a lot of times, especially in the minority community, we feel like it's very competitive. Instead of instead of collaborating, we rather compete. We rather think that oh, if I have a if I have a I'm gonna just use an example. If I have a clothing brand and he has a clothing brand, oh no, I have to I have to sell more than him. I have to be better than him. I have to do you know. Whereas you know, no, he has a great design over there. Maybe I should ask him where he got the, his vendor from. But let's just say I do take that step to ask him. Okay, where did he get that vendor from? Now he doesn't want to share it because he feels like this vendor. Although thousands of people use this vendor, he just feels like this is specific to you. Me. And if he doesn't know that, then I can't share. It. So I feel like a lot of times we clash with one another just because we learn these secrets, we learn these tips, we learn these tricks. And then we want to compile it all together in an expensive workshop or an expensive webinar or 
general knowledge that you may have gotten from somebody else that, that you didn't have to pay for, that you didn't have to, you know, go through the ringer to get. Now you want to kind of gateway it or gatekeep it in a sense. So I, I think that sometimes we're just in our own way, simply put. There's a lot of education out there. There's a host of different resources out there. There's even people in your field who you could look to. I listen to podcasts. Maybe not as much as I should be, but I, I listen to them just to get views, just to get ideas, just to get motivation. And I think that we should just do that a lot more with within our industry, just become more, like I said, more collaborative instead of competitive. Hey, look, I'm into that. I'd say my one tip that I would that I would throw out there to everyone who's listening to the podcast, regardless of where you are, or what industry you're in, is if you're afraid that you might you know, be in a competitive relationship with somebody in your industry and you don't want to reach out to your now your next door neighbor, that guy in the town who also does that similar thing. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, there's all sorts of folks all over the world that have industry knowledge. Reach out to somebody in a completely different part of the world or in your space that know something about your industry and they're going to give you all sorts of tips and comments in a much freer and open way because they're not competing against you. And that would be my number one tip I can give anybody because look, there always is that sense of competition that exists in, in all sorts of industries. And, and we see it in real estate all the time, but reach out because look, there's, there's a lot of, there are, there, there's, there's a tremendous amount of folks all around the world that are willing to help. Just reach out, and particularly if they're not in your place in the world, they're going to be much more willing to help. So that, that'd be my two cents uh, as somebody, because hey, look, there's a lot of good out there. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift the topic a little bit, uh, and I know I, I elaborated a little bit on that, but one of the things that I think is particularly interesting that um, I've, I've heard you talk about on a couple podcasts is what what's going on in the world of business post COVID nineteen. So what's the biggest post-COVID trend that you've seen uh, with your business? I would say flexibility. Whereas, you know, even I, I spoke to kind of the WeWork model earlier about how we're not the we're, we're not your traditional just nine to five setup. Um, just from all the, the glass in the seat, just from the internal conference room, just from the vibe, just from the community area. So I would say for business owners, for me specifically, it's flexibility. It's being able to, okay, maybe one day I have to be here. But the next day I need to be recording over here. Or the next day I need to travel or then maybe I need to slide over here. or Maybe I need to reach out to him or maybe I need to kind of switch up the way I do things a little bit. Because I think that this there was at one point in this COVID-19 epidemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, where we were literally waking up and there was a different headline. You didn't know what you were going to wake up to, what news was going to happen, what Dr. Fauci was going to say, what the CDC was going to say, what the World Health Organization was going to say. You didn't know where any of this was going or it was headed. But the fact that you still had to live life, keep your head on a swivel, still maintain your business, businesses, family, social life, everything of that. And, and to some capacity, I think that that really taught us how to be flexible, how to take the good with the bad, the ugly with the pretty. And that's something that I've really noticed about business, how people are, you know, I've watched a lot of small businesses in Philadelphia have to close or have to close down or have to, you know, set up shop differently. Or maybe whereas they were at a storefront now, now they had to switch to online or, or instead of being online. Now they had to come and do different pop up shops or different marketing events and networking places and travel a little bit. So I think that this has really and even with the podcast, I've been in three different locations since I've started this podcast. I've recorded <laughs> in closets. I've recorded at dining room tables. I've recorded on the floor. I've recorded. <laughs> And I started this in, in, in my guy's basement, which is now a studio. So it's just like the fact that so much has changed around us 
And we've still had to, whereas, you know, if you just worked a typical nine to five, a job that you clock in and out to every day, you know that every day, no matter what happens, when I was working at Target, I knew that every day I was punching in, in that back room. I was going to punch in and then I was going to walk to the back to the electronic section. I was going to get behind the register and I was going to read my tasks of what I needed to do for the day. That's not the case today. I can come into WeWork. I have, I've worked three days, four days this week. I had four different days this week. Met a plethora of different people. Met some people from around the world. Traveled. Talked to, I had three interviews for the podcast. We talked to three different people in three different places. So the fact that, you know, we're still just everywhere, still just making it happen, but it has shifted the norm in a sense. I think that's the biggest thing in, in regards to flexibility. I would have never in a million years thought that so many people would be working remote. So many people would just be working from home. You could pick, oh, I want to come in two days. I'm off three days. Well, that sounds like the life. I, I tell people all the time, like, the only way, only way I, I would get out of WeWork, the only way is if you just gave me a fully remote, fully benefited, like, it has to be something. Like, this has to be almost, like I said, fictitious because I, I was reading the WeWork post. This did not sound like a job. And people ask me all the time, you work at WeWork? I say, I mean, I wouldn't call it work. I love what I do. You know, it's, it's, it's not me waking up and dreading having to go clock in. It's me waking up. Who am I going to meet today? I've walked past CEOs. I've shaken hands with people who started their company overseas. And now to be able to kind of be face-to-face with you in an environment that I would have never thought, but the fact that it's a host of us around here, creators just networking and talking. We were talking with some representatives who do HR and like payroll and stuff yesterday. And some of the companies needed that. And had we not had this event, had we not had this gathering, they would have never met each other. They would have never crossed paths. So I think that this, honestly, just the the flexibility, I keep repeating it, but, but it's just because it just it's so unique right now. It's so unique. I see so many high-rise buildings. And like I said, we own three floors here in this 20-story building. But there are companies above us. There are companies below us. All totally different things. Law firms, recruiting, communications, agencies, everything. The fact that we're all housed in the same locations, it's amazing to me. And the network effect is real, right? It really is. Um, so on that note, I think we're going to go to our final four. Okay. Um, and um, the first one kind of relates to everything that's changed, right, in the world. So 10 years from now, maybe you're still at WeWork, right? Or maybe you're somewhere else. But what do you think is going to be changing the most about how businesses interact with the real estate industry 10 years from now? I feel like there will be a lot. I feel like there will be a lot more understanding of how things work. I feel like right now, not to say that I just feel like there's a misunderstanding or there's just miscommunication or things, but I feel like, you know, as a business owner, you may not understand the idea of flexible coworking. As a flexible coworker, you may not understand of how you can adequately suit an entrepreneur, how you can adequately suit a business owner, how you can adequately take a 20 person company who was used to being in cubicles all day and transition them into office space or conference room and things like that. So I think 10 years as the, because I only feel like this coworking industry is going to continue to populate. I'm even thinking about some of the competitors that we have here. These are some companies I had never heard of. Pipeline, Regis, Embark Collective, like, but companies that are that are pop, populated all around the world. So I think that as this just continues to, to multiply, this will only just allow for more businesses, more productivity, more. I've never met so many people who started elsewhere, whether it be in the North, Midwest, West Coast, who are trying to build teams in Tampa now because Tampa seems to be growing. So I also think it's a location thing. I think depending on your city, depending on where you are, depending on the landscape of it all, it could really benefit. It could bring not only a lot more business, but a lot more money, a lot more people. Because even from me moving here two years ago, I've noticed the traffic in Tampa is now it's just, and then when school comes back in session, because we're right by USF and University of Tampa, UT, 
two very great schools. I'm noticing that it's just more I'm noticing students in here now. I'm noticing grad students, medical students, different things like that. So I think as we continue to move and grow as co-working, I think real estate will only do it because real estate is going to be, like I said, the, the curiosity and the interest in it now is only going to continue to rise. It's only going to continue to peak. But I think as businesses start to understand that and we communicate more and we find out where we can work with one another in different models, oh, it'll only get better. Who, who knows from that? Like, I, I feel like it'll really go from that traditional, like, you're clocking into a certain place to you could be in this high rise building today or we could be on five floors in this building today or you could be overlooking this. So I really think that it'll more it'll start to mesh a bit more than it is right now. Right. Great. Like, I, I think that there's just a tremendous amount that's going to change in terms of flexibility in the industry. We're seeing it right now within our own portfolio. We've seen a shift over the last five to 10 years away from more traditional uh, offices to much more of what we call um, executive suites, individualized offices, and kind of a semi-co-working space. And I, the the world is all about the network effect. And the more people that you can meet, uh, integrate with, and really uh, develop those connections will just help you grow your business and just the way in which you see the world, right? So couldn't agree more um, on that and, and kind of and things changing. I'd like to go back in time and say, okay, um, Tamar, when you're starting out, when you were in, let's say, let's go back to high school because, you know, for, for, for most folks we have on the podcast, they're a little bit older. You've seen a tremendous amount of success early in life, but go back to high school. What kind of advice would you, would you give uh, a young you? I will honestly say, man, just be patient through it all. I, I feel like, and give grace. I feel like a lot of times, like I had so high expectations and high hopes for myself. And just, you you know, I think we all do in a sense. We're our, we're our worst critic, but at the same time, I don't always feel like we're, you know, come on now. We're our worst critic, but I don't always feel like we're our biggest cheerleader. I feel like for as much as we were quick to, because I even did it with my first episode, I think about or even let's take it back to, let's take it back to high school, like you said, for sure, for sure. I think about things that I did wrong immediately, but didn't think about all the things that I did right. The fact that I had to one test to get into this high school. Only certain people are, I went to an all boys private high school. So only a certain population of the people are allowed to be in here. One, two, you know, we had to dress a certain way. We had to wear the, the ties and the slacks and everything like that. So it was really about presenting it and maturing myself into adulthood, things that I didn't recognize at that. But then what, where it really became surreal to me is when I went to East Carolina University. And a, a teacher posed a question to the class and said, how many of y'all felt adequately prepared for college? And honestly, I was one of three who raised their hand in like a 40 person class. And the one thing that everybody else had in common who didn't raise their hand was they went to public school. So I didn't think about things like that when I was in this private school, when I was just kicking it with my boys every day, playing football <laughs> and all of that. I wasn't, you know, I was just really living in the moment, but I should have just been more patient and and, and just took it all in man, and, and just give myself graces. We all mess up. Nobody's perfect. Like you said, it, things happen. Things change. We would have never, I would have never thought back in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, five years, 10 years later, we'd be living how we're living now. So I think to a young tomorrow, man, I think for as ambitious and just how go get it I was, just slow down. You know, the slow and steady wins the race, the tortoise and the hare is, is such a, you know, it's, it's such a relatable story these days because it's just like, you know, I don't, you don't always just have to be that young gunner. You don't always just have to just go get it or hop on every single opportunity. Some things you have to let pass you by. Some things just aren't for you. Some things you have to mess up at. I don't see, whereas I used to see 
L's that's just no. We got to stay away from that. We can't be taking L's. Now I turn my uh, L is a lesson. It's just I, I learned what not to do. I learned maybe what didn't work in that moment. So I would definitely tell a young tomorrow, look, I love what you're doing. I love what you got going on. You're doing your thing on the football field, but just slow down. Just, you know, just slow down. Just have patience with yourself and give grace to yourself. Celebrate the small things and celebrate all the bad things just as much as you celebrate when life is, you know, roses. Hey, you know what? Uh, great lesson there. Um, and regarding lessons, um, one of the things that we always try to educate our listeners on the podcast is what's a great real estate or business book that has taught you a lesson and influenced your career? Hmm. Real estate or business book. So I'm more so think the business route. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Uh, and I don't even really know if this would be considered business, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. So there was a book, and honestly, I read this book back in high school, and I still remember it. All right. Yeah. So it's it's called Freakonomics. So essentially, this that's book. Business book. Yeah, <laughs> so essentially, this book. Like, Looking at it, looking at it like from my perspective back then, I looked at this book. I said, "Oh, this book is about to be full of jokes." Like this, look at the cover. Like it's a, I, I believe the cover is an orange peel, and it's half missing. And I think in the middle is an apple or something, or maybe. Yeah, yeah. But essentially, I started to really get into this book. I started to look at some of these because I'm a big numbers studies, like proof is in the pudding type guy. So the fact yeah, that there's yeah. a lot of things that I had never heard of, never researched, never really took time to, I guess, Google or even overlook. It was like, wow, look at this or look at how that was based off of this. And I, so I, I feel like that Freakonomics as a whole really taught me to just be more in depth, be more intentional with things. Don't just, you know, don't just say, you know what you know, and you're fine with knowing that. Be OK with learning. Be a sponge to everything, to everything around you. And that's part of the reason why with the podcast, I don't prepare things. I want to be a sponge. I want to people ask me at my bro's recent live event. How did you do that? How did you just sit there and talk to her for an hour and you didn't have anything in front of you? I said, oh, I had my ears. I said, I listened to everything she said. I said, I may have come in there wanting to talk about certain things, wanting to hit certain points. But I said, when she said something and I knew there was a follow-up opportunity, that went out the window. If it came back, it was meant to be. If it didn't, it didn't. So Freakonomics really taught me to just go more in depth, to ask those questions, because that book got deep. It, it just pulled up study after study. It proved it here. And it was, th and some of the stuff was just common knowledge, but it was just like, did you take that extra step and did you really draw that connection? So that was definitely a book and I encourage everybody to, to read it in some capacity. It's very long, but it, it's one of those longs that keeps your attention because there's so much going so much happening that you'll get it. But yeah, it really taught me to just soak everything up, man, to, to really just be okay with not knowing certain things, but to also stand on what you do know, because there was, there were some times where, you know, I, I doubted my own knowledge or some things I just don't speak on or some things I, in my head, I knew it was right, but I wouldn't say it or I wouldn't be outright with it and come to find out that was it. That was it. So Freakonomics, yeah, that was something that I definitely recommend. Now, real estate, I'm, I'm going to ask you, can you give me a suggestion to any books on real estate or where I should start? Because I don't think I've dabbled too much into any real estate books. So I would say in terms of real estate, one of the books that shaped me the most yeah. Would be it's not even a it's not even a uh, it's not even really as one would would say as a real estate book. Yeah. I would say it's the whole idea of um, uh, the uh, the e myth and the whole idea of how how you use your time, how things are done right. I think that's really the book that would really change my perspective on that. The other book that's just um, uh, the number one book that I that I'll look for. 
uh, and, and that I suggest every young person who's in real estate sales uses. So I would say how to win friends and influence people. Just It's just a sales book, but like, it's a terrific book in terms of understanding how you talk to people, how you um, kind of really understand how interpersonal communication works. And then actually, I have a book behind me that um, I really, I've really enjoyed reading recently, which is one of the biggest things that talks about real estate is the whole idea of negotiations. And there's a guy, Chris Voss, um, who talks about negotiating, and it's called Never Split the Difference. Terrific book um, in terms of understanding negotiations from an FBI hostage negotiator's perspective. Like, there's a lot of real estate books. And the reason why I always hesitate to give a, a book that's real estate oriented is the real estate books I read for commercial and industrial real estate are so different than someone who's in multifamily. And I would hesitate to give somebody a book about like how industrial HVAC systems work <laughs> yeah, um, or how you syndicate like a large industrial deal when they're flipping houses. Yeah, so um, I'd say those are the ones that I would really throw at people, particularly how to win friends and influence people. It's as old a book as it comes, but it's a goodie. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. I'm going to take both of those. I'm going to take both of those. So the the last one I would say um, is, and this is, I think, the most important one that we ask folks, because you know a group of people that I don't know. And the whole idea of the Real Finds podcast is to find people who have interesting knowledge and interesting perspectives on the world yeah. and help create that synergy, that um, that network effect of reaching out and finding somebody new. So in terms of uh, like who you know, is there somebody you know who you think is influencing the real estate world that we should interview? Oh, absolutely. I could give you, I could give you about four. Um, <laughs> just off the top of my head, the ones that have come on the podcast that um, I know are definitely making statements and stands. Uh, my boy, Kostan, he's out of Charlotte right now, I believe. Uh, I talked to a gentleman, Khalil Vance. So I believe he's actually based in Texas. He was born in North Carolina, but he does a lot more so with, he has a lot of Airbnb properties. He's doing a lot within real estate, but I know that's just his interest, just both sides. And then a woman who I'm actually about to tap in with this weekend, Eliza Paris. So she's out of Charlotte, I'm a newer real estate agent and things like that. And then I also think just because they are here at WeWork, Acropolis Realty Group. So Acropolis okay. actually started up in Syracuse, New York, but they now have a team down here as well. And I've been able to, we honestly met each other because of the Syracuse connection. <laughs> but then when I started to find out what they do and how things have worked, we've been able to have a happy hour with them here. I've been able to see their team, meet their team, and really figure out what they do. Because like I said, I'm very interested in getting involved in real estate in some capacity. So I can definitely um, say that, yeah, between Eliza, Costan, Khalil, and Acropolis Realty Group, oh, you'll be in good hands for sure. Right. Like Phenomenal to have you on the podcast. Now, the question of all questions is where can people go to reach out to you or the Down in Business podcast? Okay, so look, we're on we're on everything. So from YouTube to uh, Anchor to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you pretty much get your podcast, music, anything like that, you can find us um, at Down, the number two, and then business. So sometimes people think it's T-O or T-O-O. No, it's the number two. That's one of my favorite numbers. So I kind of do that. <laughs> but yeah, we're on 
Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook as just Tamar Turner, LinkedIn, Twitter. Feel free to connect with me and reach out. But yes, any any major platform, any streaming platform where you kind of get music or just listen to podcasts yourself, you can definitely find down to business. So if anything, you know, stuck out today to anybody or if anybody just wants to reach out or talk a little bit more, I would love to would love to have you. Like I said, I'm open to any and everybody. Thanks again to Tamar Turner. We appreciate the insights he shared today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like, a five-star rating, a review. Your comments, interactions, and subscriptions matter for the podcast algorithm and help us continue to get guests our viewers want to listen to and learn from. You can follow us on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gordon Lamphere with The Real Finds Podcast. Thank you for listening.